Thanks for being back with us tonight. We are grateful to have you here. Um, this month, as Bill Rice said from, uh, you know, when he gave the welders, elders welcome this morning, uh, we're going to spend time on Sunday evening talking about generosity, growing in generosity. We spend these Sunday evenings each month kind of addressing a topic, and usually uh, we treat Sunday night more like a master's class, so we're, we're helping people to kind of progress into the mature levels of Christian faith. So tonight we're going to talk about generosity, and then for the rest of this month we have things that are attached to that theme. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to jump around a little bit, so I don't know if you want to try and follow me, but let's start with that Galatians passage uh, that Jeremy just read to us. If you, if you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. You know, the Galatian church, uh, when Paul's writing to them, uh, he starts out very, very angry. He, he knows there's a lot of things that are wrong with that church, and he's really worried about them. Uh, and so he writes with some heat, some anger. Uh, but he ends by telling them, this is what spiritual maturity looks like. You know, you can follow, in chapter 5, he says, you can follow the, the works of the flesh, and that's what will tear you up. Or you can be filled with the gifts of the Spirit, and the gifts of the Spirit can manifest in you. And then when he gets to chapter 6, one of the things he says is this, don't be deceived, God is not marked, starting, starting with verse 7. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. That's a fundamental picture of what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a part of the community of those who follow Christ, the congregation, the church. Uh, of Jesus Christ is to keep on doing good and including what he's talking about here the gift of giving so that you continue as you're able to give to help God's purposes be realized in the congregation and out in the world what if the world doesn't reciprocate. What if the world takes what we give and, and doesn't give anything back? What if the world uh, is not moved by us continuing and persisting in righteousness as Paul's talking about? What if our efforts are just tiny little, what we give is tiny little drops in the bucket compared to the need there is? What then? What do you think Paul says? He says, if you do not grow weary in doing good, you will reap an eternal harvest. It does get wearying to keep on trying to be good in the face of an evil world. It does get wearying to keep on giving when it seems like what we give is so small compared to the vast need of this world. 
And Paul says, that's not your problem. Your problem, Christian, your problem, follower of Jesus, is to do the right thing that you are able to do. What you have in your hand, what you have, what you are able to do, you do that. Live in such a way that if everybody did what you did, all those problems would be fixed. If everybody was generous as you are generous, as everybody is merciful as you are merciful, if everybody is patient and kind and full of peace as you are, then the world's problems would be fixed. That's the way you live. Yeah, but everybody's not doing that. Paul says, that's not your business. You, follower of Jesus, live this way. And if enough of us do that, we will make a difference. And even if we feel like we aren't making as big a difference as we wish we were, that is what living for Jesus means. It's, a, it's an interesting way to end a letter that starts out with a lot of anger. He says, keep on being faithful in generosity, in kindness, in doing what's good. So tonight, I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about this gift of this grace of generosity. Uh, I want to turn to a passage in the book of Acts. So I warned you, you're going to have to flip chapters a little bit. Turn to Acts chapter 20 in your Bible or in your uh, cell phone, whatever you've got. Acts chapter 20, verses 31 through 35. And this is, this is Paul saying goodbye to the elders of the church uh, in Ephesus. Paul spent longer as a missionary in the city of Ephesus than he spent anywhere else in all of his recorded mission works in the book of Acts. He really was attached to these men and they were attached to him, the elders of this church or these churches in Ephesus. And he's not going to stop off in Ephesus. That would delay him too much. So he stops off in the port town of Miletus and he calls them to him and he has this conversation with them. And he, and he says several things. That it's really the whole chapter's worth reading, his discussion with the Ephesian elders. But the way he ends it is really interesting. These are people who are going to be, they're doing a tough job. Being an elder of a church is not an easy job. Uh, it, is a, it is a difficult thing. People will, believe it or not, people will sometimes try your patience if you are trying to lead a church. It happens. And so Paul gives them several words of advice. He's basically saying, I'm calling you to be faithful and not give in to the particular temptations of the position that God has put you in. And he says this, so be on your guard. Remember this, that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you uh, night and day with tears. I was faithful in front of you as I was a missionary with you. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. That's the actual ending of, the, of Paul's speech to the Ephesian elders, quoting uh, an otherwise unrecorded saying of Jesus, by the way. We don't have this in any of the Gospels, just here in Acts. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He says one of the temptations of church leadership is to make your leadership a way to get money. I didn't know this. I've been reading a, a, an author by the name of Rodney Stark, and he talks about the way that Christianity has changed many people's views of money and work. It turns out that when Paul says, you remember that for three years I worked with my own hands to supply my needs, he was saying something that people in the ancient world, many of them would have viewed as a sign of Paul's mental or social inferiority. People who work hard are inferior people. They're stupid people. They're foolish people. They are people who haven't managed to win at life. And that the proper way to live life, and this is people we think are great moral teachers like Aristotle and Plato, the proper way to live life is to have people below you doing the work so that you can, you know, think great thoughts and enjoy great uh, pleasures. And so Paul saying, I worked with my hands, in the ancient context, that would actually be one of the, a very shameful thing to admit. And he says, but I did it. Because I was, also, I was giving you an example of what church leadership needs to be like. You, you cannot make church leadership about money. You cannot make Christianity about money. He says, I want you and I want all of those that you're teaching to work with their hands. Why did he say he was glad he did that? Why is he happy that he worked with his hands? Verse 25, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, what? What does it say? Some of you I know are following it. By this kind of hard work, we will help the weak. Why is it a blessing to have, to work hard to earn money? Because there are people who, for whatever reason, can't work. And that puts us in a position to help them. And if, he, if they don't believe him, he then quotes Jesus. This is the only time we have this, these words of Jesus recorded in the whole Bible. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The Christian perspective is this, that the real blessing in life, the real sign that you've made it, that you are a financial success, is your ability to give to other people and your willingness to do it. That's the true sign of success. Rodney Stark says the, the standard sign of success in the ancient world that Paul lived in, in Ephesus and in Rome and in Corinth and all the other major cities, the, real, the sign that most people thought showed you were a winner, that you had succeeded, is that you just get all the money you can and you spend it as ostentatiously, in, in as showy a way as you can for everybody else to display. You 
gather from all of the people that work for you. You take that money and then you, you know, build great buildings to yourself, have great parties for yourself, and in other ways show how much you can consume. And Paul says, whatever the world does, this is what Christians do. You work hard, you earn money, because that puts you in a position to be a giver. That's a really interesting way to look at life. It's a really interesting way to look at money, and it's actually had uh, an impact. We, know, we have a second century Christian devotional text called The Teaching of the Twelve, the Didache. And, and it actually says, when you have money to give, it should, it should itch. It should sweat. Your palms should be sweaty holding that money until you figure out who you're going to give it to. Isn't that an interesting way to look at money, at the stuff we have? The world says, you should itch when your hand is empty. You've got to go get some more, right? And, and the Christians were teaching each other and saying to each other, Whenever you have some extra money, you should itch until you figure out who you could help with that, who you could give that to. Now, whenever a preacher gets up and starts preaching about giving, church people get nervous because that's been abused a lot. So I want to tell you right here, right now, uh, the elders and the deacons are very grateful for uh, the generosity of this congregation. We are not in financial trouble. That's not why I'm preaching this. In fact, Wilshire has been tremendously blessed with the gift of generosity. Uh, and, and, it, it, and, and it's a wonderful thing. And we have really good stewards who have been very, very careful about our, our, the wealth that we have and uh, about how to use it. So this is not about us. This is not even about you increasing your contribution to Wilshire. It is about you increasing your contribution to the good of the world. Wherever you find to do that. We're happy when you give it here, of course. We'll try to use it really well. But wherever you find to do it, this is about you and God. The gift of generosity. To say, not everything that I receive is just all about, you know, one more uh, macchiato latte or uh, one more movie that I can go to. What I receive from God, he's gracious to me. I want to start imitating him and, and giving back. I want to give that out. I want to show that out into the world. That's, a, that's an interesting way to look at how money works. A few weeks ago, we were deep, deep, deep in the Sermon on the Mount. And I spent a long time preaching on Sunday mornings on the, sun, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. In our Sunday morning classes, a lot of them, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes, one of them says, blessed are the merciful. When a 21st century person hears merciful, what do they think? When you hear merciful, you're 21st century people, what, what do you think? What does merciful mean? Somebody who gives grace. Forgives, you know, even when the people don't deserve it. That's mercy, right? In the ancient world, this is something we probably need to constantly remind ourselves of. In the ancient world, 
about the first or second thing you would think of when somebody uses the word mercy would be generosity. That somebody who doesn't just say, oh, I hope things go well for you, I hope everything works out, but someone who actually puts a little money behind that or a little kindness gift behind that, right? That's what mercy is. It's practical. It is that I have some and I'm blessed to be in a position where I can be a little help and I'm going to be a little help. Not so that you'll be in my debt, not so that I can have something to hold over you, but because God's been generous to me and I turn around and am generous to you. Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Uh, This ability to give is actually a heart monitor. How many of you have seen a heart monitor? I know you've seen it on TV at least. I've had one on. They made me run on a treadmill earlier this year. was not a pleasant experience. All these sticky things all over you, and then you can watch your heart doing its thing, you know. That's a weird thing. Jesus says the way you handle money is a heart monitor. It will help you understand where your heart is and what's going on between you and God. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can tell, even if you're a little confused in your mind, you can kind of tell what's going on with your heart by monitoring what you're spending your money on. And a generous person, a person who gives just because God has given to them, is a person whose heart is being revealed as focused on the things of God. And if, I, and if you can check your own you know, bank account and your credit card statements and, and not see some of that activity going on, then that should be a warning sign for you. It's a heart monitor. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you are consistently giving to good causes, and we have people in this congregation that secretly give all the time. It's a a beautiful thing to hear about. I only hear about it later usually. But we have people who are very, very generous and, and kind of work behind the scenes to help people meet needs as those needs arise. I love seeing that. I think that is a sign of a heart that has been softened by God. I don't just spend everything on myself. I'm helping other people. It shows me to be important. Were you raising your hand? Let's hear it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, time is even harder to come by, it feels like nowadays. That's right. Uh, money talks. We say that all the time. Money talks. Well, it talks to you. If you are giving, systematically giving, 
for good causes, for good things to make God's will be done on earth. And that's lots of different ways for that to happen and for you to give to that. If you are consistently doing that, that actually tells your heart that you are loved by God and that you are starting to grow in your love of God. John says, love casts out fear. And I think one of the things John has in mind is our willingness to give, especially to our fellow Christians. That's the sign of love. It says, the more you realize that your heart is being moved to be generous, the more you know you are actually being influenced by, being led by God's Holy Spirit. It's a, it talks to you. It tells you who you are. It also weeds out the fakes. It is easy, James says, to say, Jeremy, be warmed and filled. There's two Jeremys in my line of vision, so I don't know which one I was gesturing to. Be warmed and filled. But if that's all I ever do, then that kind of tells me and tells everybody else that I'm kind of faking it. I just, I want good things for you. Not enough to spend anything, but I want good things for you. That's kind of, you know, that's not real. James says, do something about it. If you want it, if you love, if you're feeling that impulse, do something about it. It is a heart monitor. It tells you what's going on. It tells other people what's going on. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, and this is an episode that's recorded in Mark and Matthew as well. He looked up and he saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a poor widow put in two copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, and she out of her poverty has put in all that she had to live on. She gave really sacrificially. And Jesus is just commenting on that. Can you imagine one of our modern news organizations interviewing this lady? Now, I, you gave away all your food. Now you're going to be hungry until you get more uh, money. Uh, why are you doing that? Don't you see how rich the chief priests are? Don't you see how extravagant their lives are? Why in the world, madam, would you be generous to an organization like this? What do you think the widow would say back? I wasn't trying to give the money to the chief priests. I was trying to give the money to God. Now, if the chief priests take what I gave to God and they misuse it, I can't control that. What I can control is what I do with what I have. And I was moved to give sacrificially. And I hope God receives the gift. I think that's what she would say if we were able to interview her, if we were able to talk to her. I wanted to give to God. I can't fix the whole world. And your generosity often will feel like just a drop in a very, very big bucket. You can't fix the whole world. The question is, are you going to be faithful with the little bit that you have? Are you going to be generous with it? That's, that's what God's looking to see. This lady didn't have very much, but she still is approved by Jesus Christ because she gave. And that's what God's looking to see. Are you willing to be moved by this grace? Are you willing to be generous? 
So when we talk about generosity this month, we are talking about something that can help you to understand who God is and help you to move deeper into maturity uh, that God has to offer. God has been so gracious to us. God has been so merciful to us. Today, he got us out of bed. Today, he gave us what we need to be alive. God is a giver. And as we act in his kingdom, we are going to grow, grow in this grace of generosity. This has not been an evangelistic sermon. These Sunday nights are not usually evangelistic, but I want to offer this invitation. If anybody needs prayers or help of some kind, or if anybody is ready to receive baptism, to take Jesus' name and begin the new life, then we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.